everyone. I'm Laura Kaluger, Senior Editor with Multi-Housing News, and you're listening to the February episode of Mission Success, Women in Multifamily. As you know, this is a podcast series dedicated to powerful female leaders in the multifamily industry. This month, I decided to invite someone who is slightly newer to the multifamily industry to talk about what sparked her interest in getting involved in affordable housing in particular. Diana Bellitti is the head of investor relations of Hudson Valley Property Group, a real estate firm committed to the creation and preservation of quality, affordable, and mixed income housing. Welcome, Diana. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Thanks for having me. First, I'd like our listeners to get to know you a bit better. Please tell us a few details about your professional path, your background, and how you got into real estate in the first place. Of course. Yeah. I'm the director of investor relations at Hudson Valley Property Group, where we focus primarily on preserving and improving the existing affordable housing supply in the U.S. My career path into real estate was a a winding road through other asset classes. I started off in the industry at a hedge fund administrator called Globop. They were Mm -hmm. later acquired by SS&C. And with them, I did new client implementation and onboarding working with dozens of different types of private equity and hedge funds of all different strategies. Um, Looking back on my time there, I think it was an excellent training ground. And I started there in a very entry-level position, um, really learned the technicalities on how funds operate and how the middle and back office works. And from that hedge fund administration role, I moved more into the front office side of things when I joined Fortress Investment Group and their capital formations and real estate team. I worked there for almost seven years before moving on to King Street Capital Management. And with King Street, I joined to work in a new role that they had created for um, an operational due diligence specialist, which sat within the larger IR team. So I was actually working with King Street when I met Jason Bordanek, one of the co-founders of Hudson Valley. Um, And in in our first discussion, we had a pretty exciting conversation about where Hudson Valley was heading. Mm -hmm. And hearing Jason speak about his plans for affordable housing uh, and the firm, it was was pretty inspirational. So um, I've actually heard from other employees that had similar experiences in their early interactions with the firm, which I think is in part of the reason we've been able to attract and retain such great talent. Um, it's a rare opportunity to find a career where you can really do well by doing good. And I definitely found that with Hudson Valley. So I joined the team in November of 2019. It was shortly before the pandemic started. And I think I was employee number 15. And now we've grown to about 40 people. Um, life certainly has taken me in different directions, but in my role here, I focus on all things client services related for the firm. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows that real estate is a really a, a relationship-based industry, and it requires a lot of commitment, of, of time and effort. How demanding is your job today? How do you keep a good relationship with your investors? It, it is certainly very demanding. Everyone in Hudson Valley works incredibly hard, but I do feel like I've been able to strike a good work-life balance here, which has not always been the case in in previous roles, but it's something I'm more cognizant of now and actively work on. Um, Working from home has been part of that, but also working for an amazing and understanding organization helps. People at Hudson Valley are very driven. Uh, We all deeply believe in the mission to preserve affordable housing, and we have a good mix of investors, both on the institutional side Um, and high net worth investors. And our firm started in in 2010. So many of our investors have known the founders for years. We've cultivated very close relationships with them. Um, It's definitely a demanding field to be in. I'm usually pulled in a lot of different directions, but (laughs) at the same time, that creates some great opportunities as well, because I continue to learn and work on new projects, which is great. And I think at times, a lot of the demand pressures 
I somewhat place on myself to be as responsive as possible and make sure that people who trust in us have a good experience working with us as well. Um, this is the first year we're hosting our uh, investor conference, and that's going to be an in-person event. So that's exciting because since the pandemic started, I actually haven't been able to meet everyone face-to-face yet. So oh, that's God. coming up in March. That's got to be weird. <laughs> <Right? laughs> it's a little weird. Every Everything was done over Zoom. So um, we've met plenty of times, just never face-to-face. But maintaining good relationships takes time. And we try to build a mutual trust with our investors and offer um, as much transparency and accessibility to the team as possible. Right. Um, as you said, you're fairly new to this industry and you chose to get involved in affordable housing, which is not the easiest market. So <laughs> um, can you tell us more about what sparked your interest in this particular field? Sure. Uh, my early conversations with Jason, one of our co-founders and the team were very eye-opening. As an asset class, like you mentioned, I had not been involved on the affordable housing side. So there was a big learning curve for me at the start, but the idea of working for a company that believes in preserving affordable housing and serving the residents that live in our properties we own was was truly inspiring. As a company, we really strive to create an excellent standard of living and not just the place that's renovated, but safe and comfortable, you know, that offers social services and amenities mm-hmm. and that people are really proud to call home. So uh, we have a motto when we look at acquiring a property and uh, we ask ourselves, would we live here? Would we want our families to live here? And we really take that to heart. Um, the world it's a great metric. So much, <laughs> we think so. We think so. <laughs> um, but the, the world is somewhat changing now with, with more ESG investing mandates. But uh, earlier in my career, there just were not a lot of career paths or opportunities or companies that prioritize these social missions. And it was, it was important to me to intentionally choose to be part of something that served the greater good. I strongly believe that the work we do has a real world impact, you can see. Definitely. Um, and now touching on, on the business side of things, um, affordable housing mm-hmm. does well in good times and even better in bad times when there is more demand for, for these cheaper housing options. What can you tell us about affordable housing demand today? Across the country, the demand for affordable housing has never been greater. Every major U.S. market has demand that far exceeds the existing supply. There are only about 58 units available for every 100 households in need. So people refer to our asset class as a niche market, but it's certainly not a small market. There are still about 4 million units of affordable housing in the U.S., and hundreds of thousands of those units are at risk of being removed from the supply in the next five to 10 years because their federal contracts will just expire. And the government created these public-private partnerships to incentivize companies like us to preserve and renovate those units and keep them as part of the supply because there are no new Section 8 contracts being issued and it's, it's costly to develop new housing mm-hmm. options. Um, Section 8 itself is a legacy federal program and once the affordability terms for them end, they're permanently removed from the supply pool. So an important part of, of what we do at Hudson Valley when we acquire a property is to extend the contracts with HUD, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and lock in the affordability for residents with 20-plus your contracts. So the preservation measures across the country are very crucial. You've been involved in this, in in affordable housing, in, I don't know, I'd say um, the most difficult times (laughs) we've lived so far, (laughs) the pandemic and and, and now a looming recession. How difficult is it? And what are the biggest challenges in the affordable housing financing landscape today? How difficult is it to finance your deals? 
Well, the main challenges are to prevent the supply from disappearing and housing everyone in need. And the supply is just not meeting the demand and there's a huge imbalance. Um, lenders are still willing to lend. Uh, we're one of the biggest borrowers on the Fannie and Freddie platforms. They have affordable mm-hmm. housing products as well. So um, th- there is lending available. Um, we also work on acquisitions where there are many parties involved. So maintaining good relationships is, is incredibly important. Most real estate transactions have a simpler path with a buyer and a seller, but our transactions require us to coordinate across numbers of different parties, nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, different, different municipalities, federal housing officials and HUD, different agencies and lenders, and of course, the, the residents that live there. So we need to make sure we take care of all of those relationships. Um, and I think it's something our firm really excels in. And I think it's one of the challenges that creates a higher barrier for entry into the asset class for others. Some investors are now standing on the sidelines or at least being very selective. How are they acclimating to this market uncertainty we're going through? There's always uncertainties in investing and you have to strike a balance with that risk tolerance. Our portfolio actually performed very well during the pandemic. We have a lot of downside protections. We and largely the whole asset class saw high rent collections during the pandemic um, and continue to do so. Um, Some of our properties have multi-year wait lists. So high occupancy and low unit turnovers. Um, the majority of our residents pay 30% of their income in rent, and the rest comes in the form of a federal subsidy. So there's a predictable and secure cash flow as well. Many of our properties also have pilot contracts, meaning payment in lieu of taxes to lock in uh, lower rates in, in property taxes. Mm-hmm. We saw the pace of deal flow was somewhat lower. Sellers were holding back a bit, but that seems to be evening out now. Um, overall, I think people still want to get deals done. and. I think a lot of our investors have become comfortable with our approach to investing. Um, like I mentioned, we've been in business since 2010. So many of our investors in our firm's track record have been through a few cycles now. In your view, what is the investment outlook for multifamily and more specifically for affordable housing? My scope is more on the affordable housing side, um, but it has certainly garnered a lot of interest, particularly from larger institutional investors, given how well it's performed through the pandemic and all of those downside protections, and the fact that it's not as correlated to the markets. Uh, affordable housing has a very fragmented pool of owners. And over the past 10 years, we've seen a pretty fair amount of consolidation among them. And I expect that trend will continue as well. Um, I'd like us to shift to a different aspect of your professional life now. What's it like to work in this male-dominated field? Because I'm guessing there are a lot of male partners <laughs> in the firm and um partners that you work with? What's it like? That's definitely true. I think women, especially young women, are often underestimated, especially in a business setting. Um, Coming from my background, it was refreshing to join affordable housing and Hudson Valley. In in my experience, affordable housing is probably the most balanced of the asset classes. Our firm itself is uh, 40% women and has a pretty diverse set of employees, but it certainly hasn't always been that way. Uh, Many times in the past, I'm the only woman in the room or in a meeting, and it's just something I've gotten used to over time and early on needed to put aside that imposter syndrome feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, As a woman, sometimes you have to overcome that imbalance and speak up when you need to and take up space to get things done or be heard. But it's important for both men and women to bring up and promote other women as well and uh, focus on training and mentorship and, and be more intentional to even that out. Do you feel like the multifamily industry is now more diverse and more welcoming to women? Is there any progress when it comes to gender diversity in this industry? 
I do think that there's progress. I think most financial industries are coming around uh, and are a little bit more diverse than they used to be. There are certainly better hiring practices now and the focus on implementing longer term solutions and and real mandates to intentionally hire better and more diversely. Than, um, and that started to show through, I think. Um, in diligence, investors and consultants often ask about diversity at the firm. So it's become more of a hot button issue. And investors have certain expectations to meet and want to see their managers improving over time. So I don't think it's something people can ignore anymore. Um, they need to show progress. And I think they need to be held accountable for that. And uh, many investors hold them to that. So there's always work to be done to improve. It's not 50-50 by any means. Um, and we need to continue hiring women into senior roles and creating those mentorship opportunities and pathways to work towards that diversity balance. Do you have any message to women, to, to female professionals that are just uh, considering entering the affordable housing space, just like you did a um, few years ago? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, everyone I've met in the space, whether it's from an agency or a lender or a competitor, um, everyone I've met in the space has been somebody that I, I can learn from. Um, there is room to grow here in this asset class, and I encourage anyone that has an interest to get involved. It is definitely a rewarding way to earn a living, and you can contribute back to the community in ways I think are otherwise not possible through other careers or um, other firms um, and other asset classes. So it's hard work, but it's worthwhile. Can you recall a moment when you were, um, I don't know, proud that you were working in, in affordable housing? Yeah, we, we recently had a ribbon cutting event and we heard from a lot of residents that happened to be walking by how great their experience had been. Um, and we attracted some attention from them and they wanted to stop us and tell us how, how great their renovations were and how much it's improved their lives. So we were really proud in that moment. Must have been very emotional. It was great. <laughs> um, can you tell us a bit more about your goals for this year uh, and your plans within the company? Sure. So this year is going to be somewhat of an abbreviated year for me personally. I'm due with my second daughter in April, so I'll be on parental leave soon. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, as far as the company, we have a lot of growth plans and I'm excited to help execute on that. Uh, we have a very robust pipeline and are, are looking at some big portfolio acquisitions now. Um, we're bringing on some new hires as well. And overall, I think we'll all be dedicated to working on serving the residents the best we can. Great. Thank you so much, Diana, for this inspiring conversation. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget to visit multihousingnews.com for the latest news, interviews, and podcasts. Mm -hmm.